It's NOLA History Guy podcast for Wednesday, January 24th, 2024. Welcome to NOLA History Guy Podcast. This is the uh, third week of January. We're still in carnival mode, so we're going to talk a little bit about king cakes. And that's because we've hit that point where Twelfth Night is over, so the big initial bashes are done. And we're still a week or so out from parades. Yeah, we had Chewbacca's, but that's outside the, the big window. So where we are traditionally is we're in king cake time. And that goes back and has a long history. And that's what we're going to talk about as we gear up for hopefully better weather and our parades. Okay, here we go. All about king cakes on NOLA History Guy podcast. Of course, I am NOLA History Guy. I'm Ed Brandley. Ed Edward works for me. It's uh at NOLA History Guy on all social media. So here we go. Let's talk about Creole Twelfth Night and New Orleans King Cakes going back is pretty much pretty far up all the way to our modern King Cake scene. Uh, just a pretty good overview and rundown of the history. We'll start with early Creole traditions and family Mardi Gras. Then we take the king cake to the streets, if you will, with the Twelfth Night Revelers and their crew. Then we'll talk about king cake parties, because for a long time, and not as much as it used to be, but the tradition was the private king cake party. We we gotta talk about Mackenzie's because Mackenzie's is the baby, and the, there was you know there wasn't babies and king cakes really until Mackenzie's. So we'll talk about them. Uh, we'll discuss. I say after Mackenzie's, this is kind of Mackenzie's is a thing, and other people become a thing as well, and we'll kind of watch that evolve. Then talk about the modern king cake scene and and where things are in new orleans kind of now for in recent years and we're gonna plug the book the big book of king cake which is really a fantastic uh a fantastic coffee table book for your house if you're into carnival uh and if you're into new orleans in general and we'll we'll, we'll talk about that too so let's get let's go back to the beginning and the beginning of course is the feast of the epiphany uh little christmas uh the orthodox actually celebrate christmas on epiphany uh but in the roman catholic in the western christian tradition of course we have christmas on december 25th and then 12th night is epiphany or the visit of the three wise men to see the baby Jesus and give uh, uh, the baby the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, Little Christmas is, has, was and is a big thing, but it tended to be a 
a private thing. So we'll talk about that uh, and where we go. So yeah, the three wise men came to Bethlehem. They followed the star of David, uh, which there's a ton of astronomical explanations for that and everything. But let's let's throw that out and go with tradition for a little bit that basically at some point while Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were in Bethlehem, or someplace in the general area, maybe they'd gone back to Nazareth. The three wise men of the East came and said, we uh, we want to acknowledge he who, this is his star. And that became, that turned into, of course, an extension of the Christmas season. Uh, go back to uh, medieval days and even a little bit earlier, and pretty much everybody in Europe is cooped up for the winter. So you've got Christmas and the Lord and the castle would hold Christmas court. And then they'd hold a Twelfth Night court or a Twelfth Night feast and celebration as well. And you could, Twelfth Night was, was a great time to, for in particular for weddings, because you didn't want your wedding on Christmas. I mean, Christmas was you know, Christmas is Christmas. It's it's a different it's a different uh, celebration. But by twelfth night, yeah, let's let's marry off my daughter to the Lord uh, at the next castle or something like that. That evolves, of course, into just family traditions. The the uh, French and Spanish, among other Europeans, come to uh, come to America. They come come to North America. We see those traditions in particular, the French and Spanish evolve into Creole traditions. And that gives us in particular family dinner on Twelfth Night, that same kind of feasting type thing, possibly still depending on, on traditions, may still marry off your daughter on Twelfth Night. And when whatever you're doing, whether it's a feast, a, a, a meal to celebrate at home or something a little more public you would celebrate with the gateau de roi uh the the um the creole original king cake uh there's a number of bakers that still make this style gateau uh in new orleans you can see it's uh, uh usually sometimes fruit filled sometimes with the cream sometimes just a flaky pastry but this is arguably one of the original styles of king cake. Now, in terms of New Orleans, we've got this going here from, oh gosh, you know, coming into uh, the, you know, we, we, we generally peg the, uh, the origin of New Orleans at 1718 or so uh, with the, uh, the uh, trappers and explorers before that, the Spanish coming uh uh, on the Mississippi as well, and then Spanish colonial in uh, in uh, Florida, and in what we call, of course, the Florida parishes along the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, that whole that whole thing evolves, but we're still kind of in that private celebration type uh, um, type formation at that point. By the 1850s, New Orleans, of course, is a big deal. Cotton is king. Uh, steamboats, riverboats are coming uh, up and down the river, bringing cargo 
taking imports uh, from uh, from Europe and uh, the northern colonies, the northern states by now up into uh, into New Orleans and then going up the river from there. Uh, commerce, but of course, cotton's the big deal that that makes that makes New Orleans a thing. And with that, comes a lot of people and uh, folks looking to continue the European uh, Creole traditions of carnival, uh, obviously uh, the traditions of the epiphany, and also just in general, the traditions of Mardi Gras and the carnival celebration. Okay, so it's the late 1860s. We're past the Southern Rebellion, but more importantly, we are past the beginning of the formal public uh, modern carnival traditions that begin uh, in 1857 with the mystic crew of Comus. So Comus begins their parading and their, their, their mask ball uh, in 1857, uh, there is a pause because of the Union occupation during the Southern Rebellion, and then they pick that back up after the uh, after the rebellion is suppressed. The um, by the late 1860s, you have other players looking to get into the public carnival scene, in addition to the mystic crew of comus and one of the first groups that does that goes for the beginning of carnival rather than tacking on to something at the end at mardi gras and that becomes the 12th night revelers and you can see they were organized in 69 they paraded in 1870 but drop the idea of a parade, and it's been their ball ever since, from 1871 since. In 1869, on New Year's Eve, in the Daily Picayune, the new Twelfth Night Reg uh, Revelers organization placed an ad that said, Dear Pick, as in Dear Picayune, we have met you daily on the streets shaken hands with you, wished you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and yet you profess ignorance of us and our purposes. We do not propose to enlighten you just now. And the idea is, of course, they say, we're not going to enlighten you yet, but if you come out to Clay's statue on January 6th, that would be January 6th of 1870, you'll find out what we're all about. Now, Clay's statue is the big uh, round-based statue of, of the politician and statesman Henry Clay that absorbed the three-way corner of Canal Street, St. Charles Street coming from Uptown, and Royal Street coming from the French Quarter, and that's that giant statue. I'll we'll put a picture. I, I realize I don't have a picture of it in the in in this presentation because it's about it's about carnival. But we'll find something for you to post uh, so you refresh your memory on that. But the idea is so they said, hey, you know, it's like on Twelfth Night. Look for us. And there's really nothing more obvious at this point uh, in. Uh, 1869 going into 1870 than the clay statue on Canal Street. 
on the on Twelfth Night, eighteen seventy, the Twelfth Night Revelers keep their word. The uh, you'll see a listing and description of the Twelfth Night Revelers reception committee. Uh, they basically the idea here is a statement that uh, that you know, hey, this is this is a legit thing. Remember, one of the reasons Comus formed in the late 1850s was because there was so much carousing, drunkenness, and violence associated with Mardi Gras, associated with Fat Tuesday, that the city was pretty much getting ready to bag the whole thing because it was just getting just insane. So that's where Comus steps in and lends some order and organization. And now, again, what we have is the Twelfth Night Revelers coming to top, I don't want to say top it, but to extend that. The uh the Twelfth Night Revelers paraded. That's the whole idea of meeting, uh, you know, at uh, Royal and Canal, uh, and then went to the Opera House. That's the the uh, the French Opera House, which uh, is where they held their tableau. That's the entrance where it says the entrance on Bourbon Street from the direction of Canal. That's the the French Opera House that burned at the beginning of the 20th century. Now here's another description. And of course we're going to have all this in the, the, in the, the, you pause this and look, or we'll have the, you know, the, the, the PowerPoint here as a PDF. So you'll be able to see all of the descriptions of the parade, how they came. You know, basically they marched up Royal to the clay statue then up canal, then went to camp, to down camp, to, uh, uh, up camp, I should say, to Julia, then doubled back around to St. Charles, Poydras, Carondelet. Now, when you turn, when they get to Poydras to Carondelet, they turn and head back toward Canal Street because, of course, Carondelet turns into bourbon as you cross canal, and then you're right there at the French Opera House. Here's an illustration of the tableau, the original tableau of the Twelfth Night Revelers, showing that it is about the beginning of the carnival celebration. You see the different uh, delicacies being presented, you know, the, the stuffed pig and various other goodies that were for dinner. The king cake, of course, which looks like at, at this stage just looks like a classic, but we would say, hey, that's a wedding cake, but... That indeed was the king cake. Wine, revelry, tea for the teetotalers, just a good time overall. And as we said, the, the one and only Twelfth Night Revelers Parade was that first year in 1870. After that, the crew only held their ball. They still did the tradition of the king cake and the young lady who got the, the gold bean from the king cake became the queen. The ones with the silver beans became her maids and the court. Uh, here's an invitation to the ball for the 1876 carnival kickoff uh, at the, you can see it always says the opera house at this point uh, that basically you have other, opera venues but yeah you know, we refer to it now as the french opera house because it was in the french quarter uh to separate it from the grand opera house and other locations so that's where the ball was and miss m deneg and the denegs are 
a uh were a well established society family so uh and the low number of the invitation at number 28 indicates that possibly uh this young lady was a member of the court and uh, say you know save the uh the invitation as a memento and that's basically the idea to this day the 12th night revelers get together and celebrate the start of carnival 1920 is an interesting year for the 12th Night Revelers because 1918 and 1919 were complicated because of the because uh, of World War One. They were essentially war years. So by 1920, there were three queens of the 12th Night Revelers. The young lady who was uh, who would have ruled in 18. Not then the one for 19, let's see, we have uh, Miss Lucille O'Kelly, Miss Virginia Perkins, and Miss Marcel Vallon. So that would be 1918, 1919, and 1920. Uh, by 1952, the Mystic Crew of Comus had a theme of uh, basically a salute and shout outs to other uh, carnival organizations that were... Uh, as that were part of New Orleans history. And uh, Float 6, or Car 6, as it says here, it's the old wagon wheel style floats, kind of smaller than what we see in the, the huge parades now. But uh, Float 6 in uh, the Comus Parade in 52 was a shout out to the 12th Night Revelers. And you see a bunch of symbols, you know, symbolism on the, on the float. So at the front of the float where it says 12th night, and you see uh, what is now the classic style king cake in terms of that it's it's a baked oval brioche pastry as opposed to the big wedding cake style cake that you saw in the 1870 illustration. Uh, the Knights of 12th Night, the Revelers, so you've got the, the Knight's helmet, and then you have the uh comus that's is members of the comus crew dressed as 19th century 12 what would have been what would have been costumed members of 12th night the bells the 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 jingle bells that you could see there plus the big cowbell uh were used by the 12th night revelers to ring in and formally announce carnival you saw that tradition get picked up later by the by the uh, Funny Forty Fellows when they began to to do their public announcement that Carnival had begun. Then you've got revelers at the top of the float, and at the back you see the beans, the gold bean and the silver bean. And the idea again behind the beans was that's how the Twelfth Night Revel revelers announced their court. They would be, you know, basically you'd, you'd have the bean in the king cake. And so uh, usually you just have one bean in a king cake, and that would be the tradition of, uh, you know, you're at a party and you got the bean, you would then help hold the next party or buy the next king cake, as it were. For uh, for uh, the, the ball, for the Twelfth Night Revelers, of course, they used the king cake beans, uh, the gold bean named the queen, and the young ladies who received silver beans were the maids of the court. There were some incidents and things got messed up and awkward and everything else at various times in the history of the crew. By 1964, 
the you know, and this there was much earlier than this, but but this was the the part of the program for the ball of Twelfth Night Revelers in 1964, announcing who the king of the queen is, as well as the maids of the court. So there's your gold bean holder, uh, Miss Anne Stewart Wisdom. And then the silver beans were her maids of honor. These, of course, are the debutantes. We have coming out cotillions and coming out parties in other cities. In New Orleans, carnival balls were the debutante cotillions. Car to this day, uh, young ladies are presented to polite society at a not a debutante cotillion in New Orleans, but basically the carnival balls. Uh, and that extends all the way from just the traditional, quote, old line cruise to the newer cruise. You know, Endymion still has its coronation ball where they introduce the court and other other crews as well. Here's Twelfth Night Revelers in 2018. And you can see uh, uh, Miss Caroline Acom arrives at the ball at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel uh, escorted by uh, uh, an officer of the crew. And there's no mystery anymore, right? She's got the gold bean. There's no confusion here, that kind of thing. The traditional big king cake is now a wooden plaster of Paris, paper mache, giant display. And of course, the crew of the Twelfth Night uh, those that are responsible for the king cake are dressed as bakers. You can see the captain of the crew on the left-hand side there with his traditional white captain's uh, costume. And then on the right-hand side of the image behind the baker, you see the maids of the court. Blaine Kern Studios and other carnival organizations. Well, Kern Studios kind of started the big head guys, and you see them at the, the Rex Ball every year and that kind of thing. And here is a shot of a big head paper mache costume. The actual person in the costume, his head's just below the collar of the big of the big getup. And of course, this is a one of the giant head type costumes. That's a baker of Twelfth Night Revelers. Year round, there's a bit of a shout out or or a uh, uh, you know uh, uh, acknowledgement of the Twelfth Night Revelers at Antoine's restaurant, Restaurant Antoine, which uh, opened uh, initially. Antoine Alciator opened his restaurant in 1840, and it's generally considered to be the uh, oldest the uh, oldest operating restaurant. In New Orleans, the rooms in Antoine's restaurant, which we're going to have to do a whole thing on Antoine's uh, to to name them all. Uh, we you know there's there's the Rex room, the Proteus room, the Hermes room, which is now the Hermes bar, and then of course upstairs is the Twelfth Night Revelers room, and you can see there's that big. Uh, replica of the gold bean with the TNR cipher 
1870 on the side. If you go eat at Antoine's, you know, you, you can you can book Antoine's on open table. It's not a big deal, right? Go go to Antoine's. It's a it's a great experience. And for sure, go upstairs. If there's not a function or there's not something going on in these rooms, they let you just go in and take a peek. Go look at the Rex room downstairs. Go upstairs to the Twelfth Night Room, and you can check all this stuff out. It's great New Orleans history. Okay, so once we, so now it's 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 eighteen seventy, and moving forward, we start having both ends of the carnival season bookended. Now, Twelfth Night Revelers start the tradition along with other crews and other groups that that come in and out of history, but. TNR are are have are are a big thing. Uh, TNR. It's like yeah, it's, talk to the cat people. Of course, that's that stands for trap neuter release. But uh, in this case, it's Twelfth Night Revelers. Uh, so uh, basically, what we have is that time frame though, where you don't have parades until two weeks or so before Carnival, before uh, uh before Fat Tuesday. So. A lot of things go back inside. You have carnival balls for various organizations, coronation balls, uh, you know, carnival ball mosque uh, with its, uh, you know, with a, a formal tableau and everything. And then you have like supper dances or Endymion's coronation ball where the where the, the king is chosen. Less formal presentation, no formal tableau and that kind of thing. But all of these things are happening. Anything from, again, the, the equivalent of a debutante cotillion for polite society down to supper dances and other gatherings and get-togethers that are all pretty much in private. And one of the traditions of private stuff there that becomes very popular, particularly after Twelfth Night Revelers makes the king cake a bigger deal, as it were, is the family king cake party. And here's the earliest reference to a king cake party in the Daily Picayune going back to uh, 23rd of January in 1887. So, of course, Twelfth Night has happened, and now different families are having their own, uh, basically they're having their own king cake parties. So in this case, uh, the the Orioles, O-R-I-O-L sisters, uh Marguerite Oriole and uh where's the other lady? Okay, well Marguerite is 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 mentioned, but then would be her sisters as well, uh, had a private party, which of course climaxed or you know, one of the big events of the night was the cutting of the king cake. And uh Mr. Crozat, who probably was one of the young men of an age with the young ladies coming out in society, got the bean for that king cake. So he is then uh, named the king of the party or king of the event. Naturally, uh, the uh, the Oriole family uh, held the event. So he names Marguerite as his queen, and they all have a good time, gaiety and 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 and, and train. Uh, on uh, in 1887, uh, this sort of event starts 
cranking up the bakeries, getting into the sale of king cakes, because if they can do it in polite society, you know they're doing it in other neighborhoods on a smaller level and that kind of thing. Fries on Canal Street selling king cakes, 15 cents, 25 cents, and 35 cents each, advertising their wares on January 6th of 1916. So, so go pick up your king cake and have a little party. Uh, continue the tradition as we go along there. Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, the Odenwall and Gross Company operated two bakeries, one at Canal and Exchange Place, the other uh, uh, the other at 920 Canal near Barone. So Canal and Exchange would be the what uh, Exchange Alley is after uh, the, the uh, Exchange Alley is charter is just around charter street so you're looking right there where uh charters now where uh where the marriott hotel is uh that's uh ab about where uh the closer to the river odenwall store was then you go down to the 900 block so 920 canal that's going to be across the street from the big maison blanche building uh, 900 Canal is the um, is the Walgreens with all the neon lights and everything. So in that block on the uptown side, and you can see talking about uh, if you're interested in keeping the old Twelfth Night customs, remember that Odenwall and Gross is the logical place to buy all of the requisites. They like to think their king cake was a big deal. Have you had your king party? There's nothing too good for the king, at least in Young's confectionary's opinion. The uh, Young's naturally firmly believed that their king cake was going to be the deal, right? So uh, fancy king cakes, extra fancy king cakes, ice cream to go with it. Uh, Young's confectionery there at 930 Poydras Street, operated by Vic Sert, that's S-E-H-R-T, uh, was the owner of the bakery. So this is uh, 10th of January, 1925. So the 12th night uh, has kicked off. The carnival season has kicked off. Man, you need to go to Young's and get your king cake, right? That kind of thing. Uh, here's uh, 1936 uh, and a description of a king cake party given by Mrs. Lewis C. Masson in honor of her daughter's uh, uh, uh her daughter, excuse me, uh, Miss Mildred Tranchet Masson, uh, attractive debutante of this season. And again, that's the thing. And you see this to, to this day, the tradition of uh, the debutante families holding little events for their daughters. You know, you, 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 you take off that spring semester from UVA and delay graduation you're going to spend the whole time partying and drinking and everything else. And so you can see it, it's, you know, continuing on uh, the, the young lady, the frock she wore was an exact copy of the gown worn by Miss Massa's great grandmother at her debut in 1835. So we're talking, you know, obviously, you know, uh, debutante uh, balls and cotillions in new Orleans, 
going all the way. That's when you get into all the stories of even the quadroon balls and everything else. But you know, yeah, it's it's it coming out in society is is a big deal. In addition to the regular bakeries, we see the department stores got into the game as well. Here's two ads for the bakery at Daniel Henry Holmes's store in the 800 block of Canal Street. The top banner that says Holmes New Orleans is from 1931. The lower one, I put these two together so you could see, you know, basically, well, the price hadn't changed much in eight years. It was still oh, 25 cents and up for a basic king cake. But I wanted you to see, again, that that basic shape is around going into the into the 1930s that you know we see that it's a it's a brioche king cake kind of on the plain side with some maybe fruit and nuts and stuff sprinkled or cooked onto the top the bakery at homes of course was on the first floor so you could run in pick up your king cake and then have your party remember vic cert from the uh uh, Vic Cert from, oh gosh, hang on, I can't, I'm losing my mind, uh, from Young's Confectionery. And so by the 40s, the Certs had opened their own bakery at 924 North Claiborne. So this is William Cert and Sons. And this is one of those uh, advertising articles. So it looks like a news article, but it's sponsored, it's paid for by the, in this case, uh, Certain Sons Bakery, which is there up on, uh, in the 900 block of North Claiborne. Uh, so basically you're talking, you know, coming in, if you're on Canal, that's the 100 block and you've got there, you've got the, you've got the 100 block uh, where stuff fronting Canal going back to St. Louis number two cemetery up to, and so this is a little further in, uh, in Treme at 924 Claiborne and there's Benders and I'm a, I'm a brother's boy, a 76 graduate of brother Martin high school. And I'm a Homer. And uh, the, the idea here is of course, anybody who knows the stories from old St. Aloysius high school at Esplanade North Rampart knows that old Mr. Bender basically had a truckload of French bread dropped off every morning at the school and that's where they made the roast beef po'boys and ham po'boys sold uh, at uh, for lunch at St. Aloysius. And B Bender's Bakery, at at its peak, had three locations: on one on St. Claude, one on Independence, and then the other one on Franklin Avenue. And so it was, you know, Bender's in the Ninth Ward, uh, you know, basically the you know, well, really not really the Marini, but the Bywater. And then into the ninth ward, Benders was a big deal. Uh, so this is two ads for Benders. The left-hand side, 1948. The right-hand side, getting ready. King cakes for January 6th. I don't know if I'd have bought it on the third, but you get the idea of the advertising. So the first ad is for in 48. The second one, 10 years later, in 58. Uh, to give you an idea of a reference here, the Franklin Avenue Bender's Bakery, which was the uh, which was the the bigger storefront of the group, is uh, was at the corner of uh, St. Claude and Franklin. 
and it was um that's where the mcdonald's is now basically if you're if you're familiar with the bywater area binder's bakery after uh when when Oh, Mr. Binder passed and they moved uh, up to Frenchman. They moved a little further up to Frenchman Street in the Marigny. And then that's where, you know, the, the happy baker with the flashing light and Binder's French bread all over town. All of that. You know, that uh, Binder's closed. I, I want to say it's like 2000 or 2001 was when the uh, the Frenchman Street store closed. Here's another ad for uh, all your king cake needs. Uh, all your king cake party needs take that back uh, from 1955. And you can see the shape of the king cake here. Still uh, the, you know, the, the classic shape and, uh, and, and style is the same. Of course, they're not the only ones to get into this game in particular, the grocery stores, you know, we talk about grocery store king cake and shout out the Bromart supermarkets because they are the keepers of the flame, right? It's like, don't eat that king cake until January 6th. I, 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 my first king cake was from Bromart on Severn this year. You know, just, you gotta love it. People kind of drag, oh, that's grocery store king cake. But, you know, grocery store king cake is not necessarily a bad idea. And Puglia's on North Rampart sold king cakes and then of course they're saying well you know don't forget you know if you're having your king cake party for the families you know it's like this is you know king cake parties by the late 50s into the 60s evolved into family neighborhood kind of things you know you got you know eight ten families in the general vicinity uh maybe from the church parish that kind of thing so you had a party at home that it keeps the cost down well of course you had to have you know the moms had their wine, but, you know, if you got a bunch of 10-year-olds running around, you went and you ran to Puglia's and you got the special on the sparkling grape juice. Puglia's wasn't the only, uh, one was not the only um, uh, grocery store to get in on the game. And by the 80s, of course, you have a ton of grocery stores and supermarkets because what's happening by the 80s of course is a lot of the mom and pop bakeries are kind of getting pushed out as the supermarket chains start uh start opening their own bakery departments you had economical out in gentilly uh dornyak's uptown and then both of those stores go out to Metairie, Winn-Dixie, decent chain with a bakery department, that kind of thing. So of course, Winn-Dixie is going to have king cakes. And in the eighties, as Zulu gained, Zulu been around since like what, 1909. But by the eighties, they're starting to move up in stature and be considered to a large extent uh, as, you know, not completely in the idea of being, a super crew at this point, but, but moving that way. So that's why you see try our new Zulu coconut King cake with doll. Uh, my, I, I never got one of those, but my bet it was a black baby at that point, a Brown baby uh, inside the King cake, uh, coconut King cake. Hey, why not? You know, they sell, co you know, the, the sell the coconut, uh, uh, cover a King cake and coconut because the signature throw, of the Zulu Social Aid and Pleasure Club was the painted coconut, still is the painted coconut. Here's a, a, a news article from also from 85 
where you've got the pastry chef at one of the La Madeline locations that comes in and he starts showing you how to do a baking demonstration of a traditional French king cake. And so uh, this was 85. So this is when La Madeline had moved into the Pontalba building uh, at Jackson Square for the 1984 World's Fair. You had Angelo Bricados moved in there, you know, basically places that would not have thought to open up in the general vicinity of Jackson Square had done so because of the because uh, of the World's Fair in 84. So they're still around. So now you have a whole bunch of let's get a whole bunch of kids from Trinity Episcopal up, uh, you know, in the Garden District and uh, bring them in and do a cooking demonstration. So this is 85. You can see, again, it's starting to be less mom and pop and the chains are, 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 you know, very, very serious at this point, but not all chains are out of town or not new Orleans and everything else, because the biggest and most memorable chain with respect to King cakes are the folks that first put the baby into King cakes. If you yelled, I got the baby in the late thirties going into the forties, Odds are your king cake came from McKenzie's pastry shop. McKenzie's opened the the McKenzie the McKenzie family opened their first bakery at 4902 Britannia on uh in 1929. By 1936 the Entringers the Entringers purchased the McKenzie's but kept the name. <clears throat> at some point between 30 and 36, Entringer goes and he's in a thrift shop and he buys a mess of plastic babies. And well, there it goes. The Entringer sold the McKenzie chain in 2000, which that's a story. We'll, we'll have to do that. That's a story in itself. Uh, new ownership took over, but it wasn't going to work. And so McKenzie's closed permanently in 2001. Shout out to Todd Price. Todd's a, Todd's a, a great writer. And uh, when he was working at the paper, he did an article on the history of McKenzie's that we'll have for you in the show notes here. So here's an ad for uh, the original McKenzie's Uptown 4902 Britannia uh, uh, from 1931. Fruitcakes, cakes for all other occasions. This is just a general ad, not specific to Mardi Gras. I this ad's neat because this is a uh, an ad for New Orleans public service. This is a Nopsy ad, and of course, Nopsy is trying to sell electricity. Now, that's not a hard sell when you've got other things going on, but oh, you know, trying to sell retail. Uh, on the idea of a lot of storefront lighting. And so Nopsy used the McKenzie's on Britannia as an ad example or an example of women have a feeling of confidence in a well-lighted store. And the example they're using there is the big McKenzie's neon sign at the Britannia Street location. So this is 1938. 
So the Entringers are in are 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 in full charge now. The uh the Mackenzies on Britannia is not a um the the Mackenzies on Britannia is is no longer a bakery but a pastry shop, and the uh, main plant that made all of the Mackenzies baked goods was down in the Ninth Ward on Desire Street. Fast forward to nineteen eighty five. You can see one of the traditions that starts picking up in the 80s is the idea of the iced king cake. The traditional Mackenzie's king cake was the classic brioche style king cake. And Mackenzie's was one of the first bakeries that uh, Mackenzie's one of the first bakeries that started instead of just putting like little pieces of fruit or nuts or that kind of thing on top of what is a big circle circular or oval brioche roll they're now sprinkling that brioche oval or circle with purple green and gold granulated sugar and so that's the classic what now you would you would refer to as a plain king cake and so by the mid 80s or so, you start seeing other bakeries and Mackenzie's picking up on the tradition of let's go a step further. Let's sell the traditional, quote, plain king cake with just granulated sugar as a topping. Now let's put coffee cake icing on it as well. And that's the idea there of the iced king cake. And here's Donald Entringer. His daddy's the one that, that bought Mackenzie's and started it in 1989, holding an iced king cake. Uh, I need to talk to Derby. I can't colorize to save my life, but I'll, I'll see if Derby can colorize. Derby Jisclair, go buy his books. His steam his Steamboat book is really, really good. It's it's, it's his, current, uh, his current book that he's out talking about and everything. But that's neither here nor there. I just think that, yeah, we probably should figure a way to colorize Mr. Entringer here. Here's a shot of Entringer in the Desire Street main plant with a round iced king cake in 1989. <clears throat> Unfortunately, Mackenzie's bit the dust. The Entringer, Entringer family sold out in uh, 2000. The new owners tried to keep things going, but it was a bust. And the last day for Mackenzie's Pastry Shops was 16 July 2001. This is a photo of the Mackenzie's Pastry Shop on Britannia, or at least the modern incarnation of the Mackenzie's on Britannia. It's the, it's, it's the Creole Creamery. It's an ice cream shop. But they never took the sign. That neon sign is just so part of the neighborhood and so historic that, well, you you can see it's it's in you know it's uh, it's lighting up the ice cream shop. Okay, let's take a little bit of a break now that we've talked about Mackenzie's and its passing. Moving into the uh, 21st century now. Uh, a word from your sponsor before we do that, though, please. Uh, don't forget, we're moving into, it's January now, we're moving into the spring and summer convention, gathering, meeting, reunion time. Please keep NOLA History Guy in mind uh, for a speaker, keynote or otherwise 
for your group. And if you're planning something for 2025, now's the time to give us a call and let's get something straight and get it on the calendar. Uh, and of course, buy the books, but we'll talk about the books at the end of the pod. So we'll be back in a moment. In recent years, or actually, uh, when the bakery, uh, when the McKenzie's Pastry Shop closed down in 2001, the company sold a number of the recipes plus the branding of McKenzie's to the Tasty Donut chain. And Tasty had been doing their own kind of fried king cakes, but we started seeing a revival of the McKenzie's king cakes moving into the 21st century. You could go, and you, to this day, you can go to the tasty donut shops, you know, uh, out here, the two on, uh, there's one on uh, Clearview at West Mattery. There's another at Clearview and West Esplanade. The um, the tasty donuts on at uh, in the 800 block of Harrison in New Orleans in Lakeview is actually branded Tasty McKenzie's, and they have the old McKenzie's logo sign up at the location, and you can buy a king cake there. This is the revival of the classic McKenzie's king cake. It's not that much different. Uh, it's a brioche roll. And then you can see it's iced with, well, not iced here, but it's topped with purple, green, and gold granulated sugar. And so this is what, like, if you go in and usually refer, go into a bakery and ask for a small, medium, large, plain king cake, this is what you, this is what you get. Uh, you got to be careful with saying plain king cake, though. You go some places and plain means it's not filled. It's not apple filled or cream cheese filled or strawberry filled. It's plain on it's a brioche roll, but it may still have icing on it. So this is the McKenzie's. Uh, this is the revival of the original traditional McKenzie's king cake. Another bakery that makes the traditional brioche roll king cake is Adrian's out in Gentilly. Adrian's is at Mirabeau and Paris in Gentilly. Interestingly enough, I never have really nailed it down, but Adrian's Bakery is at the location of the McKenzie's. It's in the same strip mall. I can't remember if the uh, no, if the if the teachers union office is was the McKenzie's and Adrian's is next to it or if Adrian is actually in the what was the McKenzie's there but it there Ad, oh, Adrian's this is, this is my, my my weekly go-to to get a Danish and get a donut and that kind of thing and their king cakes are just awesome now what makes what separates the tasty king cake and then now the revival of the you know the 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 original McKenzie's, the revival from Tasty and Adrian's King Cake here is these are classic brioche king cakes. They are not cinnamon dough coffee cakes. We'll talk about that. But come in. This is an a this is an Adrian's. Uh, basically, this is what an Adrian's King Cake looks like. 
as you can see, it's a classic brioche roll, and it's uh, it doesn't have the white icing. It's got just the purple, green, and gold sugar. There's Mr. Adrian. Adrian Darby got his start. Uh, I swiped this photo from the big book, the big king cake book, because uh, I figure if if Mr. Adrian allowed it to be in the book, he won't mind if we use it again. You kind of get the idea. Um, but oh man, what, nicest man in the world. Got his start working for the old Woolworths at Rampart Street. Uh, opened his own bakery. Uh, is just incredibly skilled and talented, as are everybody in that family. So this is uh, this is Adrian Darby at his at his shop in Gentilly. Adrian's makes the classic brioche king cake, but they also make an iced version. I bought this one, uh, gosh, I want to say uh, last last week, week before last, just after Twelfth Night. Uh, my first Twelfth Night this year, like I said, was Bromart. But there's there's a story behind that. Catch me at the coffee shop, I'll tell you. Uh, but yeah, next time I was at Adrian's, uh, my wife likes the iced king cakes better than the plain traditional Mackenzie's brioche uh, king cake with just the sugar. So I come in and I I, I come in and a uh, young man uh, got, got too much resemblance to Adrian to not be his son or a nephew, uh, most likely his son. He's at the counter and, he, and he's, I'm looking around and he says, what you looking for? And I was looking for the small. This is the this is the extra small because you know you got the oval size king, the oval shaped king cakes that go from like small, medium, large to huge, depending on the kind of party you're doing and that kind of thing. Um, and I said, I'm looking for the real small, the, the the round one. And he looks. He says, Oh, hang on, we got some in the back. And then he comes back out a second later, and he says, You want it iced? Because I got them all ready and they have the sugar on them, but we haven't put them in the bags yet. So I can ice it for you, but you're going to have to wait so the icing dries because putting it in the plastic bag would be a disaster, right? So I, oh, heck yeah, I'm waiting for that, right? So here is the classic. This, for my money, Adrian's King Cake is more Mackenzie's than the Mackenzie's Revival is the way to say it. And a lot more love because it's not being made in a plant down on Desire Street. It's made, this is family made, that kind of thing. Another type of king cake that's incredible, that's that I still, I just love this notion and this idea is the donut king cake. Okay, now uh, the idea here is this go go back to Tasty Donuts before Tasty buys the McKenzie's recipes, which, by the way, just as a side note, um, the McKenzie's King Cake isn't the only McKenzie's thing that that Tasty Donuts does now. They sell the brownies. They sell the pies. They sell the uh, buttermilk drops. Uh, they even make a king cake out of buttermilk drops, which is just kind of nuts. But anyway, but before that, okay, before, while Tasty was still in business, uh, rather, excuse me, while Mackenzie's was still in business, Tasty Donuts locations made king cakes that were essentially big donuts. Now, they didn't have ovens and they weren't baking things. It's a donut shop. So what do you do? You make a big donut. You drop it in the fryer and you fry up the donut. 
Then you pull it out, you let it drain, you do everything you do for your donuts, and now you ice the donut. And so here's a, a great example of that that comes from my favorite donut shop in town, Blue Dot Donuts on Canal Street. So basically what Zach does is he fries up a big oval donut, then puts purple, green, and gold sugar with vanilla icing on top of it. And this is a donut king cake. And yeah, I've already had one of these too because I can't I can't help myself. My wife's not too too much on this one, but man, these just so good because it's it's not baked. It's a donut. It's fried. You get the idea. Here's uh, Blue Dot 4301 Canal Street. It's Canal in North Hennessy. You can't miss the bright blue building. He's uh, open Wednesday through Sunday. Zach closes on Mondays and Tuesdays. Uh, he's in the big book of King Cake, too. I, uh, it's a great picture of Zach and his brother Zane in the book as well. Moving on to... The other big type of king cake that we have in town, and that's what's generally referred to as the Randazzo style. Now, Randazzo's bakery began down in the parish. Randazzo's was down on Judge Perez Drive. Yeah, Judge Perez, not St. Bernard Highway. I'm pretty sure of that one. If I'm wrong on that, when somebody from the parish just correct me on that. And um, But basically, the idea was that in the 80s going into the 90s, Randazzo had been down there for a while, right? But it's the parish, right? You know, it's like nobody's going to, you know, you're going to go to McKenzie's and get a king cake. You're going to go to Gambino's and Metairie. You're going to go someplace a little closer to home. But one of the cool things was if you worked downtown and you had somebody that lived in St. Bernard or lived in the Ninth Ward, they could go run down to Randazzo's and pick up a Randazzo's king cake. Randazzo's is one of the first bakeries to do the coffee cake style king cake. Unlike the McKenzie's king cake and the Holmes's and the, you know, certs and all of those older bakeries from the 30s and 40s that were making traditional brioche king cakes, the Randazzos made a coffee cake dough. It's sprinkled, layered it with cinnamon kind of thing you would expect from a, from a coffee cake. So basically, the king cake is an oval coffee cake with purple, green, and gold uh, sugar on it, but also a lighter, a little less, uh, the, their icing is a little creamier than what you'd get from a, a McKenzie's King, a, a McKenzie's iced king cake or an Adrian's iced king cake. And it just took off. But what really made the Randazzo style king cake take off was when a member of the family, Manny Randazzo, opened up, took the, the family recipe and opened up a Metairie Randazzo's Bakery. And that's Manny Randazzo's on North Hudson Street over in uh, in uh, Metairie, just off of 17th Street, kind of just a little bit north of Lakeside Mall. Uh, that, you know, don't go past, like what, you know, get in the line at, at 7 in the morning, you're still going to have to wait because 
it's just crazy. Or better yet, if you want a Manny Randazzo's king cake, go to Flirty Girl. Lauren will hook you up at the at the various Flirty Girl locations because she resells Manny Randazzo's. And Martin Wine Cellar also resells Manny Randazzo's. But the family spread out more than just Manny in Metairie. And you see a whole bunch of different uh, branches of the Randazzo family making the Randazzo style king cake. Uh, this is Kaluta's king cake from Cottage Caterers, which one of the owners is uh, is Manny's ex, Diane. <laughs> and there's that's a story. I tell you, there's there's an article about Randazzo's in the paper, and talk to somebody who's yeah, you know, I know them, you know, and you you, you, you they'll talk your ear off on on how Kaluta's king cakes came about but they are the same style as the Manny Randazzos. You can get Kaluta's in a whole bunch of places. Uh, PJ's Coffee sells a tiny, single, individual, little round King uh, Kaluta's for like about five bucks. I took this picture at Zapardo's uh, supermarket over on Vets because they're big into it. The purple box are the plain, the unfilled traditional king cake. The gold boxes are the filled king cakes the cream cheese the apple the praline you name it that kind of thing not sure what you want or you want to try different kinds of king cakes i have a recommendation for you go to king cake hub check them out kingcakehub.com to see the list of who's selling what and everything else King Cake Hub was started by the late Will Samuels. You might know uh, Will. Uh, you, you might know Will from uh, from Pizza Nola uh, when he was running the uh, running his pizza place out in uh, in Lakeview, and then he got this idea of let's sell a whole bunch of people's king cakes in one location, and he uh, and so he created King Cake Hub and started it. Uh, uh, originally started selling different people's king cakes at the pizza place. Then he uh, hooked up with the uh, um, with the mortuary haunted house people because obviously by twelfth night the haunted house was kind of out of business till next you know till next fall. So he hooked up with the 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 mortuary is the old uh, McMahon uh, funeral home on Canal Street, and you had the big drive up you know where you could pull up and everything else so they basically started king cake hub there uh you could see all the different bakeries and options and you can go get get a high dough get a brennan's the brennan's king cake is interesting uh gracious uh kaywood and randazzo's is another that's uh you know kaluta's those are you know the randazzo style king cakes that that they sell at king cake hub uh yeah got you know man uh the traditional thing to say with Will would may his memory be a blessing and boy, is it ever cause he blessed us with King cake hub. Here's what King cake hook, hub looks like. Uh, uh, this is uh, uh, one of Froggy's photos an information photo of King cake hub uh, where in its current home at Zony mash brewing up on North broad street. And uh, yeah, it's another one. Be, be prepared to, to wait in line, you know, it was a zoo on 12th night. You know, now we're into that low period, that calm before the parade storm. You could probably get over there and uh, and and get yourself a good king cake. 
Another variation on the coffee cake style of king cake is from Haydell's Bakery. And here's a, here's another one of Froggy's pictures. I just picked up my my Haydell's king cake uh, today for uh, you know to get you know the first of what will be several. I always have to send uh, Haydell's king cake uh, up to my son who was in the Navy for ten years, and now he uh, he's a government consultant up in uh, in uh, the D.C. area. Always have to sell uh, to send him. Haydell's is his absolute favorite king cake. Uh, you can see an interesting uh, addition to the king cake here is that uh, Haydell's sells or uh, gives you with each king cake a porcelain doll, basically a porcelain baby. And it started out as baby Catherine, you know, and was uh, basically a, you know, they didn't bake it into the king cake like the plastic ones that Mackenzie started that tradition with, but now it was a porcelain doll and, and Haydell's had just taken that to, to all kind of crazy limits. Now, uh, one year, the, the King cake baby was a, was a, a street car. Another year they did, uh, St. Augustine, uh, marching 100, three different, uh, three different purple nights playing different instruments. One year there was like, uh, uh, maids from uh you know one of the big like one of the parades uh uh one of the super crews like you know uh, endymion or some of the big parades that used to happen in metairie where you had the really elaborate uh maids costumes uh that would you know be paraded on the little float and everything uh this year the big doll the 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 the, the uh signature doll for haydell's is a doll version of Arthur Hardy. Arthur Hardy of Arthur Hardy's Mardi Gras Guide. Uh, Arthur Hardy of, he was the band director at Brother Martin when I was there. So go buy the Brothers book and you find all kind of great pictures of Arthur back in the band room and walking you know, uh, you know, up in the, in the stands for football games. Arthur's such a great guy. He, uh, he went to Warren Easton. So he's very, very active with Warren Easton charter school, uh, as well as, you know, we, we, we still sink our claws into him, uh, you know, with brother Martin, of course. And so Arthur, uh, we'll, we'll do an article, uh, on, for the blog about this. Once I unpack my, uh, my Haydell's king cake from this morning, Haydell's is, up on Jefferson Highway. It's Jefferson and Jelpy. It's actually, it's uh, uh, Airline Park uh, Street is just right up there. Uh, it's right by the Bud's Broiler on Jefferson, uh, 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 not far from the Bud's Broiler on Jefferson Highway, uh, close to the pit stop and all of that. So it's just basically between, uh, between Causeway and Central Avenue. And Central Avenue is where you can go under the overpass, all the railroad tracks and everything. Here's the old school sign on the side of Haydell's. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it put, put Haydell's into your thing. They also, Haydell's, uh, uh, again, just another little shout out. Haydell's, uh, resurrected the hand pie after Hubig's, uh, after after Hubig's pies, after the Hubig's bakery burned down, and so we didn't have the the classic Hubig's handheld pie, uh, the Haydells 
made a baked version. They weren't into frying. They're a bakery, right? So they, they made a baked version of the pie. I was there this morning. They had sweet potato pie. I'm going back. I got too much junk food now in the house with the king cake and everything else. But they're they're back to making the sweet potato pie. Even though Hubix is there, I still, they're, I'm, I'm not, that, that's another, that's a, uh, Come to the coffee shop. We can debate the the whole hand pie thing, but yeah, Haydell's definitely you know out. It's you know on Jefferson Highway. They have a bake shop on uh on Magazine Street as well, and uh, so yeah, definitely count that into your traditional type king cakes. Of course, king cakes. Everybody gets a different take on it. Here's one from Gracious Bakery from a few years ago. It is a chocolate-filled king cake. You can see it's, you know, kind of make-a-coffee-cake-style king cake, but now inject it with chocolate filling, put the white icing, sprinkle. You see the white icing dominates rather than the sugar on this one. Gracious Bakery, another wonderful place. You can get these at King Cake Hub uh, if you don't want to schlep uh, to Gracious itself. Bywater Bakery. Bywater Bakery, their big classic thing that people will go and um, you know, move move heaven and earth to get down to Bywater Bakery is for their Chantilly King Cake, as in Chantilly Cream. And yes, it's it, it is all that. And you can get that at King Cake Hub as well. Uh one of the things that they've tried, they do crazy things down there. Like here's a savory king cake. And they're not the only ones to do this kind of thing. Uh, yes, we are going to talk about Larry Ragusa in an upcoming, if not, well, that's video. So yeah, we'll talk about Larry Ragusa and the comedy stuff about savory king cakes. But but yeah, people really started doing it after that. And so Bywater Bakery is one of them. Really good stuff. You know, it's like their Chantilly cake on a good day. You know, it's like forget just a, you know, king cake. But their, their, their stuff is just wonderful. Here's Bywater Bakery down, of course, in the Bywater uh, uh, this is, you know, on, on 12th night, they always have a, or some, some, some years it's different. It's whatever, like the Saturday close to 12th night. So here's the King cake kickoff. This is another one of Froggy's photos from 2019. Uh, it's kind of gathering, of course, kind of got put on hold a little bit for the last couple of years, but you see, and now last year, this year, you know, these things are back in full swing. So if you're coming down or you think you want to come down to New Orleans and you don't want to, you know, get wrapped up into uh, you don't want to get wrapped up into parades and the the absolute zoo that is uh, that's Mardi Gras and the two weeks leading up to Mardi Gras. Yeah, come on down to 12th night. This stuff, this stuff you can do and have some fun, that kind of thing. I mentioned it earlier, seen a picture or two from it. The Big Book of King Cake by Matt Haynes with photography by Randy Krauss-Schmidt. So that picture of uh, of Adrian that you saw earlier came from the book. This is a coffee table size, big old book. It's less a history and more a uh, more a collection of photos and stories about the current bakers of king cakes. And so it's, you know, um, just all kinds of really good stories. Like, uh, 
Zach and Zane from Blue Dot are in there. Adrian's is in there. Tasty is in there. Again, it's not like going back to the traditions like uh, we've just done for the pod here today, but mostly this is a lot of uh, of current stuff that you'll really again this is something if you have a family member uh get you know get them this book if you are that person get a hold of this book i bought my copy where i buy a lot of these big coffee table type books from the 1850 house gift shop that's staffed by the friends of the cabildo in the lower pontalba building you know the 1850 house is it a is a pontalba apartment that's a museum and the retail space in the next apartment is the um is is the shop uh is the you know uh the gift shop uh the the 1850 house gift shop and they've got an extensive collection of books that unfortunately none of which are mine and i don't know what yeah you know, I don't know what I did to make them mad, but I still love them because I love the friends of the Cabildo and the tour guides, and I love speaking to them and et cetera, et cetera. So here's a little word from your sponsor. Buy my books. You know, they don't charge early. You know, it's like I got the Patreon for the site, but, you know, the the, the podcast, you know, yeah, you, you, we don't really charge for all that, right? Go go buy the books. My first book was the uh, Canal Streetcar book in the middle in 2004, which we are now coming up on the 20th anniversary of both my book and the revival of the Saint, of, of the uh, Canal Streetcar. Uh, then I did a book on my old high school, which kind of morphed into making sure I included the two older incarnations. So that's Brothers of the Sacred Heart of New Orleans, uh, Brothers of the Sacred Heart in New Orleans, which uh, gives us the history of St. Aloysius, Corrier Zoo, and Brother Martin High Schools. I used to work at Maison Blanche Department Store in Clearview Mall in the Metries. Uh, wrote an article about uh, Mr. Bingle for GoNola.com. And the publisher came back and said, hey, you know, department store books make money. <laughs> so we did a book on Maison Blanche Department Stores. You remember the HBO series Treme? Uh, I pitched a book to uh, my editor at Arcadia saying, I want to do, let's do a book on Faubourg Treme. It was the last season we knew that Simon was going to, you know, tie up the loose ends on Treme for HBO. Let's, let's do that. They came right back and said, we're thinking of a little bit larger scope. And I'm like, okay, how about a history of jazz? So the Treme book actually evolved into New Orleans jazz. That's the, uh, the cover is the uh, 1967 incarnation of the Preservation Hall Jazz Band uh, was their, one of their album covers. Uh, Legendary Locals of New Orleans, 200. It's like a who's who of literally New Orleans legends. Anything there from you got like Dutch and Marie Laveau and Gus Beauregard, Baroness Pontalba. Um uh, uh, Austin Leslie with with his little with, with his little captain's hat there, uh, you know, just all kinds of different people from all walks. Look at Wendell down there in the bottom, uh, you know, just all different people from all walks of life. Two hundred little bios, pops in the middle, of course. Uh, fun. That was such a fun book to do. Uh, if you ever you got a kid that needs a, a you know, need to write a report on something, start with the legendary locals book and then you know tell, pick a person they like. And then take all of that to the librarian and say, hey, can you get me some more stuff on that person? 
the last book I've done, my most recent book, which is getting, I got to get moving on some, on a new idea here. Uh, this is for the history press was after I'd done the Maison Blanche book, the history press came and said, Hey, you know, it's been 20 years since Krauss department store closed. Why don't we do a lost history book on Krauss? And I was like, twist my arm. And so that's Krauss, the New Orleans value store. Of course, again, that's me. The website is nolahistoryguy.com. I am Nola History Guy, all one word, on Twitter and Facebook and Insta and threads. You name it, Nola History Guy is out there. Hat tip to the folks who did this. I just love this little, you know, old parchmenty ink stained uh, PowerPoint theme. I keep using it all the time for, for this stuff. Uh we start doing some of the food stuff and everything. I'll, I'll change it up a little bit, but yeah, definitely. It's a good, it, it's a fun theme and everything else folks. Thanks so much. Appreciate all of you for your time listening to the pod. We're going to put this up. It'll uh, uh, we'll have, you know, a uh, few notes on where you like buying the book. Uh, look, uh, make sure we mention King Hey Cub. Some of the other stuff we'll put up in the show notes, of course. Uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate you guys just so much.